Welcome to Passion to Power with your host, Michelle Zeitlin. She's a creative producer who quote-unquote wears many hats. She's also a talent and literary manager and founded the company Morzap Productions and Management. She develops people and projects across all media. Her guests encompass the gamut, from artists to authors, actors to activists, programming executives, development executives, and A&R. Michelle Zeitlin is excited to share her tips and tools for success through her conversations mostly via Zoom during quarantine. Please welcome Michelle Zeitlin, Passion to Power. Mike Young has five kids and 11 grandkids, and together with his wife, Liz, they run Splash Entertainment, and currently they run Splash Entertainment from their kitchen. While I was conversing with Mike, his bells and whistles were going off, not only calls to Malaysia, the UK, Wales, where he's from, and India, but also the bells and whistles of the kitchen because Liz was warming up some food. We talked about his legacy in the animated world, and I call this conversation an animated life. I hope you enjoy. Okay, I'm here with Mike Young. He is the co-CEO and chairman of Splash Entertainment. And also, I think you said 74% ownership of Cabillion. 92%. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> Americans um, don't know. If I say to them, who are the most famous Welsh actors? Uh, they don't know that Christian Bales is Welsh and Anthony Hopkins is Welsh and Catherine Zeta-Jones is Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> I like receive ends Welsh. There are many, many, many of them. And the uh, Wales sort of creatively punches well above its weight, you know, from the poets of Dylan, you know, poems of Dylan Thomas all the way through to, as I say, writers and actors and music. It's the land of song, they call it. So, you know, um, we're working with Catherine Jenkins. I did, if you look up Catherine Jenkins, she's beautiful. She is probably, well, not probably, she is the top-selling classical singer in the whole world. Uh, we've just developed a show with her called Symphony Street, uh, a children's animated preschool animated show. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so what I want to do, because I don't know how much you know about this podcast, and because I want you to be able to tailor all of your information, um, because I've been on all sides of the proverbial pitch chair and also the camera, I represent artists, authors, actors, and activists as a talent manager, talent literary. As you know, because I've been in your office pitching, I've also been an actress and a voiceover actress for commercials and animation. And I think more more than ever, animation is probably going to erupt in so many languages because so much production in live action has been shut down. Am I right about that? It's dead right. It's um, uh, the only form really of film production that's really carried on right throughout this pandemic. Now, it's hard work. All our staff have wor working from home uh, since March. A few people are in our studio, but very few, a couple of editors and such. Uh, it's been a big empty space for the past 10 months. Um, this is my kitchen where I've spent the last 10 months. And uh, Liz Young has got the real office down the corridor, but I'm, you know, I, I just get the kitchen, you know. And she's the lovely lady in all the photos you sent me of yourself that you said you're always with somebody in a photo. Yeah, yeah. Liz and myself are uh, 
literally inseparable. You know, we've got a large family, we've got five children, we've got 11 grandchildren, and uh, they all live fairly close by, which is very unusual in America. You know, people, the families are usually split up, though a few of the college age ones now are, you know, going off to, are in New York and a few other places, but uh, we're, we're a very close, close-knit family. That's marvelous. Is she also from Wales? Yes, she's also from Wales, and uh, uh, and Liz runs all production. I sort of only half jokingly said in one of my mails to you that I say one word from me in the studio, and they all look at Liz and say, "Shall we move a muscle, or shall we completely ignore him?" <laughs> That's Wait a minute, Kelly. Kelly's been with you for a long time too. Is she a family or extended family? No, no, no. Well, she's almost like that. Yeah, yeah she's been with us 17 years. And I think that's one of the differences in uh, our company and studio um, is that, you know, people are there, you know, quite a long time, which is unusual in this industry, you know. Um, um, you know, they, uh, and people come back to us all the time. Uh, we've just direct we've just produced Woody Woodpecker for Universal Studios and the director on it Mike Milo he you know can't wait to get back you know and so you know it's um it's nice uh, it is a family atmosphere even though they're not all family though we do have you know Pete Young who runs all of um development and Rich Finn, who runs um, all post-production and is the, the chief editor and directs as well every now and then. Um, so, you know, they're the, you know, as I get older and older, I gradually they hand over more and more to them. And- uh, I met Nick at Land through you as well. And now, now he's over at Gaumont. Weren't you working with Moonscoop as well? Yeah, well, Moonscoop bought into our company um, and the only good thing that came out of it really was Nick. Uh, he came over, Nicholas Atlan came over to us and we, uh, uh, he represented the French company and it was one of those strange things, you know, the, uh, we could never quite figure them out because we always used to sell more than they sold and, and yet we were on paper, we were supposed to be in a smaller company. Yeah, we went to Nicholas, you know, he came to us uh, representing the French company and we worked very, very successfully together for, uh, you know, best part of a decade. And uh, uh, he was then hired by Gaumont and has shot up the uh, hierarchy there and are they doing some incredible things? Um, and, uh, you know, I always tease him. I say, I taught you everything you know. <laughs> and uh, he's working with Terry Pelagian, who I knew from Rainmaker. Yeah, the, the, you know, the thing is that sometimes in company, uh, countries, I mean, that are heavily subsidized, like France, you know, they tend to make things because they can, rather than because it's commercial and they should. Um, in, in America, you be, be, bloody well better make something that people want, you know, and, and sell. And it's a hell of a discipline, um, which is sometimes lacking in some of the highly subsidized countries. So who are the big animators now around the world? Well, Canada uh, is huge. Um, uh, France, I mentioned. Uh, Malaysia, of course, China, Singapore, China, um, and India. Um, uh, you know, especially in production terms rather than pre-production pre, pre, pre and creative production. I've got to say, as a foreigner living here, you know, 31 years, 
in this 20 mile radius where we are in the valley okay we live in Calabasas and the way they write and the way they direct and the way they storyboard and the way they time is the best in the world okay and it's the reason why sometimes you you see stuff not working here you know america can be almost the most insular country outside of north korea in some regards you know and uh, and it's certainly in this regard you know very very few um animations you know work outside of North America come in from uh, the Japanese have had big successes with Pokemon and uh, Digimon etc etc and uh, you, then you're struggling after that there are very few others that um, and movies the same um, as I say and I think in animation it's the hundred years of tradition that's here okay and it's in the DNA you know Woody yeah. Woodpecker yeah, you, you wouldn't want to make it anywhere else, put it that way. <laughs> that was Hanna-Barbera, was that? Who was, uh, who did Woody Woody? No, 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 um, well, Warner Brothers uh, originally, Warner. yeah, it was, uh, uh, what am I talking about? Universal Studios and Universal, not Warner Brothers, but it was that era, all those Warner Brothers, uh, you know, they, they were shorts for movies. They all right. started as five, ten minute shorts that went before a feature film and that's where that industry started and Walt Disney of course you know changed all that um, started to make feature films um, and so it is now a worldwide industry there's, there's no doubt about it um, and we work yeah, we currently... last time I talked to you you were about to start production on Sabrina oh my god that is a long time ago yeah yeah we did Sabrina the Teenage Witch as a animated series it's um, um, we since then you know we did Norm of the North and Norm of the North sequels uh, movie uh, we're doing Rock Dog a couple of Rock Dog movies at the moment uh, we're working on a um, a movie for Netflix which is all based around football soccer football I could use both names for both domestic and international and uh, right. the famous soccer stars in it who are caricatures okay of themselves uh Zlatan who's a big international famous soccer star Megan Rapinoe who's got a haircut like you except she's pink and she was the World Cup captain do you remember uh, the the World Cup last year of the American World Cup oh it was no. amazing yeah my sister is a soccer player and my nephew is a very competitive all-star and actually is being trained by a Brit uh an all-star team which is a big deal that's so they came over here and do that. And, and the other star in the movie is Weird Al Yankovic. You know, Weird Al. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has such an interesting career. I think his daughter is taking ballet with West Side Ballet because we ended up sitting right next to each other two years ago at the Nutcracker. <laughs> and you know what's funny? Even sitting down, he was way taller because it's like he's like the same from his waist yeah. up to his waist down. <laughs> he had an amazing career. He, they had, he had a very successful animated show on um, Netflix. It's been probably their most uh, primetime, most successful primetime show. We have to talk to India at night. We talk to Europe in the morning, early in the morning. So thank God for Zoom. That's all I can say. <laughs> I know you don't have to drive and, and you can drink your coffee while you're on the on the phone. <laughs> and you probably
probably know how to say hello and goodbye and signing off in many, many languages, right? One or two. The Welsh language is so beautiful. It's an interesting language. Yeah. Well, Welsh is, um, you know, people look at it, it's uh, all consonants, you know. Llanvaia Porth Gwynedd Gorgeth Llanvaia Go 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 is the name of a village. And they'll kill me for my pronunciation of it. My wife will kill me because I get it wrong. But that's 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 the name of a small Welsh village. <laughs> it's got 26 letters. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. All right. So um, if you thought of yourself in terms of your career legacy, what have been sort of the high points for you in reflection? I think um, seeing our children, like Sarah, you know, is over at Disney and she runs production at Disney Junior, uh, which is now becoming, you know, all part of that Disney Plus thing. And Rich is a, a, a story edit, our editor and uh, post-production and director guru. Uh, Pete, uh, who went to college, to uh, entertainment college, and he went um, to be, and he was, he's a DP actually a live action DP and then gradually he pre, uh, came up with a show idea called Oh Yuck which needed live action and animation so you know we produced it with him and then he, he basically melded into the company a few years back and he's the one doing uh, working with uh, Catherine Schwarzenegger and R.L. Stein and all the rest of them you know um, so that's uh, that's for me is the high part is that uh, Andrew who's now retired from animation but he was he directed some of the biggest hits like strawberry shortcake and the care bears and lala loopsy and many of these shows um, um and we now see our grandchildren uh, chloe has just been accepted to scad in atlanta uh, which is a real entertainment uh, university uh, course and so you know that's the legacy <laughs> basically when you um hear pitches what what do you expect to hear in the first few minutes what 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 gets you interested what do you want to know right away um i think that uh, there are two things you know first of all the look of things if they are artists the art style the originality that they bring to the table uh cgi can make everything look the same you know you can put characters from Frozen into Tangled or vice versa, you know what I mean? And they would fit it alongside. Uh, and, you know, Spider-Verse was great because it went back to cartoon freehand drawing. Okay, and the style of it and the look of it was, was a nice little breakthrough and it's opened up the industry tremendously. Um, so that's what we look for. We look for design originality, but and then in story terms, you know, you know, it's a hackneyed phrase, but everything begins with the story and the script. And so we really look for that uh, three line pitch that can, here's my story. Um, I went to lunch once with Ron Howard. And uh, of course, he was telling me, you know, how he's not his acting career you know he was in happy days he was getting older his hair was receding he knew he was typecast you know he knew that uh, he was going to go in another direction and they so they formed a company um with um, um uh, 
um, with um, Brian Glazier, and uh, and so they made a movie, a live action movie, and it was, in his terms, a creative success, but a financial failure for them. But he got them started. So they managed to get an appointment to go in to see Katzenberg and Eisner, who had come into Disney. And it's ironic that yesterday Touchstone was closed down, the uh, Touchstone movie section of, uh, of Disney. Um, it was in the trades yesterday, and uh, and basically they uh, Touchstone had been formed, and so they go along and they got and he's telling me this story because we now have an iPad or a, you know uh, this sort of thing, and then you had storyboards and you know so they carried all this stuff in and they were waiting and waiting and waiting to see Katzenberg and Eisner and the way he tells it okay is that after about two hours they waved in and they go in and they got all this stuff under their arms you know and they look up and uh, Katzenberg or Eisner I don't know which said um guys we can't see all this now it's our fault we've got very late let's cancel and reschedule when we got more time and ron said he knew if he went out you'd never get back in again so he said i got this great idea it's about a guy who falls in love with a mermaid splash splash and <laughs> i refuse splash entertainment <laughs> By, by, yeah, that's right. By, by repute, uh, the Eisner or Katzenberg said, okay, we'll buy it, but don't go over $4 million. And, uh, and it was commissioned based on that mythical Hollywood one line pitch. Uh, so, <laughs> by, by all accounts, once or twice they work, you know. But yeah, normally, you want to see a Bible, you want to see character descriptions, you want to see a script if possible, um, uh, uh, really. Um, though sometimes we will, you know, take in things that have, you know, been partially developed if we really like them. One of the most proud moments I've had as a talent and literary agent and manager is representing a small children's book that has had an incredible viral life called The Invisible String by Patrice Karst. Introducing that book again as a paperback with all new illustrations by Joanne Lou Vritoff was one of my proudest moments. And now there's three sequels. I told Mike Young about this because I had pitched an idea to his very good friends at Gaumont, Nicholas Atlanta and Terry Collagian. But taking a book that has the most sweet, simple premise and then turning it into like a three-act script, that's a huge job. Oh, yeah, well, that's exactly what Maverick and Me is with Catherine Schwarzenegger, is that it's a, it was a, a picture book. By the way, people forget Shrek was a picture book. A quite quite short, small, short picture book. So, you know, um, you know, out of acorns, mighty oak trees grow, as they say. And uh, um, yeah, but it's the idea, the originality, the idea. Shrek was original. Okay. Maverick and me is original. Uh, you know, uh, the, the acid test, of course, is should you shoot it in live action or should you shoot it in animation? If you can shoot it in live action, damn well shoot it in live action. Okay, you only do it in animation if that's the only really way that you can bring it to life and bring it to the screen. And that's something they forget. 
very often in a lot of the movies that get produced um, that I won't even mention them, but they, they basically could have been, you could have put Brad Pitt and Catherine Zeta-Jones into Sinbad, you know what I mean? And, sh and shot it as a movie, you didn't need to animate it as such, you know? Um, so uh, it's a, a, that's the acid test really, you do need to animate it. Um, it, I'm involved in a couple of live action uh, movie productions, um, uh, one very British and the other one very international. And um, it's interesting when you look the other across the divide. What's great about animation is that, you know, if Johnny Depp gets uh, arrested for doing something, you know what I mean, or loses a court case, I should say, then, you know, that, that, that yes. <laughs> That whereas, whereas, <laughs> whereas when you, you, you've done a, a voice for something, you can uh, always change it, you know, I'm being very unkind because I think he, he was very unlucky. But, uh, but basically, you know what I mean? Um, uh, animation has that flexibility. Uh, whereas live action, you, you're trying to cast that, as I'm finding now, you're trying to cast that person and he's only available at so-and-so -so -so time and then the other person's not and 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 you know you don't have that problem in animation you don't have to comb your hair you can show up yes don't put I your makeup on think that the world of voiceover actors for animation was a very short list but yeah. i think the fact that everybody can do this with their yeti you know their microphone and their studio it's opened up people to be hired all over the world right. Yeah, you, you you know, we've just worked with Eric Bowser who's Woody Woodpecker and Tom Kinney who's SpongeBob and Tara Strong and you know, and they're like the royalty, royalty. The, the creme of the of the business. Jess Harnell. There are many, you know, uh, they're people who who are just so talented and and again, you know, sometimes out of Canada or another place you, you tend to hear the same voices all the time. Whereas down here, you know, you you have this massive selection but you're right you now can record everyone you know everyone in the world yeah. um well for this company uh, uh i want uh rich and pete to, to take more and more and more on from liz and myself and we can gradually you know fade you know fade out user experience and our, our knowledge but at the same time uh you know uh gradually fade out uh, of the company and we've got such a great crew now uh, in the studio that you know we can do this thing blindfolded basically um, and going forward uh, more for them than for us we um, we're going to be producing we've got a, um, a company in in Ireland and we have a company in uh, UK um, we're in talks with a French company to uh, uh, joint venture with them on a couple of things. Uh, a lot of the big SVOD companies have to produce a lot of stuff now in Europe. They can't just, as I said earlier, produce in America. And so we're going to be part of that as well going forward. And I think that's the main thing. It's just massive. You know, the bottom line is that um, as I said at the beginning, we're one of the few industries that's carried on right through the pandemic. Um, and all our staff are working at home. Uh, they all have the technology, our IT department had to go there and set them all up. Even the editors are working at home. 
you know, uh, um, one lives on a ranch, rich lives on a ranch, and it's all set up there for him. So it's a grind daily. No, you're an actress. You know, you, you think of like, we made Woody Woodpecker. What would we normally do? We'd have you and five other people come into a studio and we re record probably multiple episodes. Now we do each one of you at home on your own, sitting in your wardrobe or where, you know, wherever is best sound quality. Well, has great sound, yeah. But each recording session would take a couple of hours. So if you've got seven actors, that's 14 hours of recording as opposed to less than four hours of recording. And you multiply that all the way through the production. You know, these Zoom calls, Liz lives on Zoom calls. She's got the whole production team. She's there with them all day long, back and forth. It's not, it's not easy. It's exhausting. We, yeah, but we've managed to do it. And we're certainly much better off than those poor, you know, live action uh, features and movies and theatrical movies and all the rest of it. So, you know, uh, thankful for small mercies. And as you said, the SUD networks have gravitated towards animation and they want four quadrant movies, you know, four quadrant movies. Wow. Yeah. Well, how much of your business, like your pie, is film versus television versus like short form? Um, it's uh, actually the longer form films have taken precedence over the last year or so. Um, and um, but uh, again, you know, we've we've got you know, shows like Symphony Street, and we've got uh, Slime Rangers, and uh, one of the other R.L. Stein books is called um, Rotten School. Um, they're all series, you know, series productions. Um, whereas um, Rock Dog is a movies, two movies, soccer film for Netflix's movies, the R.L. Stein um, Little Shop of Monsters will be a movie length. When I say movies, movie lengths. And they'd probably be for one or other of the SVOD networks. Um, uh, don't forget, when you go to a movie, as you say, oh, I'm going to go and see um, a, a comedy, or I'm going to see a, a horror film, or I'm going to go and see a dance movie or a drama. At home, they have to cater for the whole family. Uh, and again, that's where animation comes in. You can, Disney have done it successfully for millennium. You know, uh, basically you're making something that uh, granddad can love and four-year-old can love, okay? Um, and so they want four quadrant movies. We've got a great development with, um, about um, Audrey Hepburn when she was uh, a teen at the end of World War II. We've optioned a book called Jespie and Audrey. And um, we're so excited about it because again, it, it's a four quadrant movie. It has wartime Europe in Holland where she lived. Um, we have um, uh, a modern day girl in outback style going back in time and meeting her and palling up with her through a device. And um, and yet it's accurate when they get there, what happens and in, in her life and what was happening in her life is it was actually re really happening in her life. And uh, so we're very excited about that one. So you can see the, the thought and the development and again, developing for that audience. Um, I think uh, we'll avoid doing plague 
movies, okay, about the plagues. <laughs> so what, tell, tell, tell us what four quadrant means. Four, well, four quadrant really means um, that you, you hit the grandparents, the parents, the teens, the tweens. It's eight quadrant if you really want to drill it down. You know, you, you've got your very young children. A legacy problem. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about animation and, you know, Netflix and the others know this is that it punches way above its download weight. Um, and the reason for that is you and I, we talked about The Queen's Gambit, okay? We watch it once. Whereas children will watch the same thing over and over and over, especially the young children. Uh, our shows like Chloe's Closet, they, they will just come to it over and over and over again. So therefore, you know, uh, the, the number of views that it, animation attracts, it, it, as I say, is long lasting and punches well above its weight. I won't mention other shows, but you've watched them and I've watched them as adults. You watch it, you'll never watch it again. Or if you do, it'll be 10 years time. You know what I mean? Um, and with animation, that's not the case at all. They love repetition and, it, and animation has a great shelf life. Woody Woodpecker, for God's sake, made in wartime uh, America, the originals, you know, so, and we're still making them today. So you work in every demographic, your, your preschool demographic, your like six to 11 Disney demographic. Those are the two big ones, except on the movies when, as I say, you, you're actually writing for more of a four quadrant audience, but uh, uh, yeah. and, and the writing in animation, uh, uh, an Oscar winning uh, writer wrote an animation screenplay and it was unproducible because, you know, it's a different genre and some people cross over, not many, uh, some of the most successful live action writers and uh, successful animation writers, they, they don't cross. One or two do, but uh, the bottom line is a different technique. It's a different uh, genre altogether. So do you, as a, as a production company, do you, I mean, it seems like you're working on all sides. You're working in the creative, creating original content, you're selling content, you're distributing content, you might even be buying content. Am I right about that? Uh, yes, um, uh, Kabillion buys content, uh, uh, obviously Splash doesn't, we produce everything else you said is true about Splash. Um, and then, was it, 13 years ago, um, we were working uh, with Comcast on something and they were talking about their, their cable channels were gradually moving over to digital uh, and they were replumbing all the homes, you know, uh, 100,000 a month at that time uh, to go digital instead of, you know, the old cable uh, system. And they said, look, you know, uh, you've got a library of stuff. Why don't you come on uh, our, our you know, on Comcast with uh, some of your your materials? And and so basically um, we did, we, we started off Kabillion. We started off at a time when people, we used to say it's an AVOD channel as an ad supported network. And they didn't know what the hell we were talking about, you know, AVOD, 
SVOD. These have, you know, come in the meantime. Right. So it was very small for a number of years. We own on Comcast and we gradually built out as they built out, we built out. And then we went to all the other cable channels, uh, which is still massive for us, by the way. Cable, yes, declines, but it's still massive. And then the OTT channels came along, you know, the Roku's and such, and we're on Roku. So, and of course, we have a channel on YouTube as well. Um, Voodoo, which is uh, um, the Walmart, was the Walmart channel until recently. It was just bought by Universal. And um, so we're in uh, 75 million cable and satellite homes and 40 million OTT homes. So our, our audience reach is almost saturation levels. Okay. So on our podcast, you're going to see my refrigerator and my lunch being prepared, you know. <laughs> oh, that is a grilled cheese. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> is it grilled cheese? No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, I get the exhaustion of being on Zoom. In fact, I had a couple calls yesterday where they're like, do you want to do Zoom? And I'm like, no, I have three and that's all I can handle. But I'll do a phone call because it is, you know, it's a full on presence. Yeah. Uh, Feels a little about the days of Star Trek, you know. Um, um, I have a few more questions I'd love to ask you. So one of the things I can feel about you is your passion for what you do. And my show is called Passion to Power. And like I said, my experience of being in a room with you at pitches was you were always so warm and generous. You must know Tommy Lynch, right? Must we what, sir? Tommy. Do you know Tommy Lynch? Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, he has a kind of a similar similar vibe. Vibe, does he? Oh my God, there you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, the business of creating and selling content, whether it's animated or live action, is a business. And now, without the big markets, you know, um, everybody going to the big conferences, um, it really is about a trust factor, I, I guess, and people knowing that you are going to deliver you know, pristine premium content. So it's a relationship business at the end of the day, I imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you gain trust fundamentally that you can deliver and you can make it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, so basically, um, that's what we rely on. We have more competition than ever now, okay? And, uh, you know, because all the production used to happen in Southern California. Now, as we said earlier, it's massive. It's all over the world, you know. Um, so, but, you know, experience counts for something and track record counts for something. And so we certainly have to rely on that. You know? And is most of the work that you create done now remotely by your, your team or do, yeah. are you outsourcing to India and Malaysia. That's what Liz has just appeared in the middle of my podcast here. She she basically um, spent all the last five hours uh, with the all our crew, you know, in various. And so, yeah, we're working on scripts, cast recordings, storyboards, layouts, backgrounds, building assets, building CGI assets or 2D assets. You know, some shows can be flash, some can be Toon Boom, uh, CGI at the moment, there are quite a lot of them. So, so basically, it's um, um, it, it's been seamless but hard work.
basically we um uh you know were more and more and more over here and and at that time unlike this time where we are now where i'm talking to you very easily internationally uh, uh, you, you could be in poland as far as i'm concerned now uh, at that time america again very insular everything was done here so we realized if we were going to sell to the networks then we had to be here so we made the silly crazy decision of moving everything over here and we moved our family over here liz is walking through and uh, and basically uh, we, we 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 kicked off we started and one of the very first things we ever produced was with prince charles oh wow yeah he, he had a book called the legend of lochnagar and uh, um and we um, got abc to buy it and uh, as a special and we made the legend lock around and prince charles did live action intros and outros and all around it you know so we didn't like we didn't like his depiction in the, the crown because he that wasn't him that wasn't the one you knew <laughs> yeah. he wasn't the guy we knew no. uh, i want to know why business is in the kitchen sorry why why you're doing business from the kitchen and not yeah. from <laughs> that's right uh, because, because there's two of us here and there's only one office so liz is far more important than me in production terms so she takes the office and i and we pop in once and in, twice into the studio but uh, yeah most of it's been done in in the kitchen yeah so are all your clients that you talk to internationally expecting you to be doing a food show doing a what sorry food show i mean i'm expecting you to oh yeah that's right <laughs> I may get lunch, you know, you never know. Um, so, so basically, I, th I think Liz realized I was doing a podcast because she came in and switched on the, uh, the oven to cook, bake bread. So there you are. This is probably going to be the best part of the whole conversation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, 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 you know, just to finish out, we, we basically moved over here and we've never looked back you know we, the network started to order from us universal bought we did the little engine it could for universal studios um it was one of the very first shows we did along with legend of Loch Nagar and um the secret garden we did as a movie and we did the life and adventures of santa claus um as a movie and they were all work for hire movies if you know what i mean we were making them for other people and then gradually bit by bit we started to build our own sort of library of stuff and so how does that work for, for everybody that listens to my podcast i have two pods i have that 18 to 24 year old aspirational people on their yellow brick road trying to figure it out and looking to my guest for that expert insight and then i have the pivoters from 40 to 60 who are shifting during this seismic shift of quarantine yeah. right uh, well I've got stuttered a bit because it's probably harder now than ever. Back in 1991, 92, um, the networks, the studios, I mean, were allowed to buy the networks. Before it used to be church and state, it's completely separate. Right. Okay. Um, so Disney bought, you know, ch channels, ABC and uh, Warner Brothers, they, 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 they were allowed to buy their own. And so that changed the face of the American industry, because up till then, the likes of Hannibal Barron, Ruby Spears and uh, Film Roman could make shows and just sell to the network and then they would keep the rights. 
you know, the, the, the syndication rights and other rights. Um, so what happened was that when they changed that ruling, we knew how to produce internationally, whereas Hanna-Barbera didn't know how to produce internationally as such, and the other big independent studios. So, so basically we survived at a time when they were sort of contracting. Now the worms turned again the other way. Um, so, you know, uh, Chloe's Closet, uh, a show that's sold everywhere in the world except North Korea, just about, uh, basically, it, it, we we got a German network, we got a Dutch network, and we, we packaged up the show in that way. That was the way we did it for the last 20 years. Now, that's very changed because Netflix um, woke up two or three years ago when Disney removed all their shows from Netflix, and they realized that they didn't own anything. They, they, they were licensing stuff. So the past several years, They've been very, very active in in, a, in uh, originals and paying for originals and getting originals made. They formed their own big in-house animation studio as well as part of that. And but the difficulty is they want to own the shows, so therefore some of you know it's a balance. Sometimes you want uh, to keep the rights and to try and package them separately and other times no uh, they want to buy it you know it's there the soccer show is theirs it's been great talking to you and uh, uh, and uh, I'll be talking to Nicholas and uh, Terry you know um, over the next Say hi. so I will do we always look at stuff. We're always keen to uh, see new talent and you know, for anything from voice talent to artists to writers. So think of us. Okay, thank you. Thank much. you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.